Welcome guys, this is the Rolling Minds podcast, the show that tries to extract all the information we can from the great minds in BJJ and grappling. Uh, today we want to introduce our guests, Professor Legato and Professor Paul. Um, Legato is four, five time champion in the Euros, he's World Pro Cup champion and he's taking selfies on Instagram. <laughs> we'll be on there straight away. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably set up an Instagram page now yeah. just, just for that yeah. I could read out all these accolades but we'll be going all day wouldn't we when did you get your black 2004 2004 I got a is that is everything working here good yeah we're working I think <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah 2004 is that correct Professor? yeah I got my black belt you know you know Professor Paul, he knows all the dates. Professor Paul knows all my black belts and also the <laughs> the the competition that I won. The thing, the guys who I fought, how many Do points, how many advantage. He does. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I say, Professor, who's that guy? I say, I got to fought that guy in two thousand whatever, <laughs> and there was two advantage or whatever. I say, Oh Jesus, wow. <laughs> wow. That's one hell of a memory. Yeah, yeah. He knows all the students, all the names. Yeah. My yeah, right hand. <laughs> I don't remember my own name most of the time, so remembering <laughs> all that is uh, is much more difficult. And Professor Paul, you're Legato's first black belt. Yes. When was that? That was uh, 2011, January 2011, at the uh, Europeans in Portugal. Ah, I do remember seeing pictures of that now. Yeah. That was, that was when before. I had the uh, the Mohawk. Yeah. <laughs> it was just before I started. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, and you got that in January 2000. So I started three months after that. Okay. So we were all still talking about it with Alex and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ricardo when we first started up. Shall we go into some questions? Yeah, why not? Cool. So, here we go. Pretend I'm organised. Um, start by telling us what first got you both into jiu-jitsu. Go for it, you can go first. Yeah, go first, yeah. So, uh, back in Brazil, it's especially in Rio de Janeiro, let's say, not in Brazil now, in that time, because was the jiu-jitsu was pretty much the biggest part of jiu-jitsu was in Brazil, it was in Rio de Janeiro. And they eventually spread around all over Brazil, and then now all over the world. But that time, everyone in Rio de Janeiro used to train jiu-jitsu and also surf, surfing, you know? So that was my upbringing. But before that, I have a huge influence from my grandfather. He always was pushing me to train jiu-jitsu. He has a, a contact of uh, Hilo Grace uh, about jiu-jitsu, and he was all the time pushing me to do it. But because my mother and my father was black belt in karate, I, I was not really into the jiu-jitsu. I wanted to do like Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know, like <laughs> have punch and kicks. I want to open my legs like Jean-Claude Van Damme, kick mm -hmm. the coconut tree, all those things. Uh, but yeah, that's that was pretty much my the part of my upbringing. And what's that of you, Professor? Uh, I started, mainly I've been training, you know, in all different types of martial arts. And in uh, unfortunately in 2000, the year 2000, I got a, I had a brain hemorrhage, mm. and uh, so I had the surgery, and they told me that I couldn't take any knocks to the head ever again. So I thought I need to do something because I like the competition, I like to box and things like that. And so uh, I looked around and I went to uh, I saw jujitsu. Mm. I thought that oh, looks like um, a nice sport. <laughs> I'll not get punched in the head or. <laughs> kicked or kneed in the head uh, um, you know obviously you do <laughs> yeah so so that's why I started it because I, I still wanted uh, I like the competition I like the fight I just wanted to find something I could carry on with mm. that was low impact you started in 2000 so you, so you started as soon as you found it then yeah where, where did you go to I used to go to a wrestling club in uh, Manchester right and there was a blue belt teacher there I think at the time mm. That's where I started. So you, you, don't, you don't think about it now as how difficult it was to start training. It was. I, when I was working in London at the time as well. And uh, I remember going to a, a shop in Soho. Uh, a little, And it's still there, the shop. It's like a little martial arts shop. 
and it sells uh, VHS tapes. <laughs> okay, so going back. And I bought a full set of uh, videotapes because I had an academy where I used to teach other things from. What do you were doing in Soho, Professor? <laughs> <laughs> I was just visiting. <laughs> and I bought all these tapes. And it was, it was like 10 tapes. Uh, two for white, two for blue, two for purple, two for brown, two for black. Oh, yeah. And I thought to myself, I'm going to open one tape, watch it, study it, when I can perform everything on that tape, because there was nobody to teach. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, and then I'll, I'll open the next tape. And I swear to God, I've got, I opened the white ones, and I opened the blue ones, and the rest are still in cellophane in my attic. <laughs> still, I never opened them. Really? Because I started training properly. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But do you, feel, do you feel the tapes helped you somehow? Uh, yeah, definitely. Because yeah. I knew nothing. Yes. And then watching the tapes, it was, uh, it was a, a series by Panther. And it was Joe Moriere. Joe Moriere? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's quite fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so in, nowadays now we have so, uh, so much information yeah. on the YouTube and mm. social media and all that. The question is how much that's really helping us, mm. right? I think if we have the right, we have a nice tool in our hands, is that the technology, for example, now you are using that to spread our message and to get into people's house, get into people's life, mm. using the technology, but we cannot forget it, that technology also could turn against us, could be our enemies, right? So if you don't really know how to use that knowledge, It's exactly the same story, like we could use the, the knife, right, to, to use as a tool to cook, to put a butter in the bread, but also could use the knife to kill someone, just depend how you're using the, the technology. So I think it's a very important tool, right, for, we know have uh, access for a lot of information. I remember in the 90s when someone do a new technique in the competition, and they say, okay, let's study that. And then, okay, next new set of uh, techniques is going to be in the next competition. Now, every single day, new information, new information, new information. And that really helps as long as you know how to absorb this and how to use that. Do you find that you learn well from watching things? From, do you learn it visually? Yes. Do you, do you really need to see something and just go away and practice it over and over yes i can i can see right away if that just a flower position mm. or if that really gonna if i can really put this into my jiu-jitsu into my game there is so many positions that we need to understand when the person not moving you can do whatever you want but once you apply for the reaction of the person the position change completely mm. you know So there is a lot of positions nowadays online, a lot of channels, but there is only few people that I really watch and I, I really make me think, you know. Uh, and it, what, this word talk about the new jiu-jitsu and the old school jiu-jitsu, I constantly am studying. So I don't really see it new and old. Mm. I see who is updated and who is not updated, yeah. like everything in life, right? So there, for example, a lot of lapel things that like Cornelius bring it on, but also I believe the lapel could be a big trap for you because your jiu-jitsu, if you just use the lapel in the wrong time, you could wrap yourself and get stuck there until someone pass a guard. I have a lot of students start to use the lapel until they get in such a level and understand how to use the lapel, they get stuck into that game. I think uh, we need to use the, 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 the techniques in the right time. And also, you need to have the idea like, okay, should, uh, is that real? Can I use that? And I believe to do that, you need a very strong foundation. Mm. Otherwise, you're just going to have a lot of big holes. You're going to have, a, okay, I can do birimbolo, but okay, how to apply the birimbolo? Because, for example, when I sparred with Rafa, man, this back in San Diego, Rafa's good friend, I went there, we sparred together. He'd not shake hand and try to hold my belt, hold my foot, and go beating bolo. Have a huge setup, like collars, leave guard, and then I'm way stronger than him, at least, you know. He's a very strong boy, by the way. But <laughs> when, uh, when I go try to break his grips, then he set up the beating bolo. 
but before Brimbolo have like collar sleeve guard holding the pants and then he start to build up on top of that so if you don't uh, have the good and strong foundation it's very hard to apply and also to see what's useful and what's not useful that's why we need to go to the gym we need to study you need to train you need it's not just otherwise if it was that easy just gonna watch youtube all day and then the, when again in june july you're gonna put my name in the world championship i'm gonna be a world champion every year right so it doesn't really work like that so that actually goes into one of the questions we have written down was when training we tend to sequence together varying different attacks varying different positions where we'll go from guard aim to sweep and when that fails we move on to something else and something else do you find that training that way works well for you sequencing things together yes i i i i like to do that but uh i i love to think about the reaction mm. you know of the opponent so every time when i try to do a position i think okay what would be the reaction when I do that? And then I start to build on top of that. Because if, um, we, if we just work a sequence, but we don't think about the reaction of the opponent, I think it's gonna be, it was gonna be a waste of time, mm. you know? Like once uh, I push your leg and put a right hand on the floor, what happens if I push your leg, don't put the right hand on the floor, you know? So that's how I, how I like to, to work. But I have a lot of friends, they don't, top guys, they hate to drill. Mm. They never really drill positions. And they like to feel the position. For example, side control, let's go, I'm gonna try to do this position, I'm gonna try to drag. Then we talk about it, we discuss about it. It's a different methodology Then I also think quite helpful. Uh, for me, I like to drill, mm. you know? I like what, uh, uh, my friend Galvon, he said, uh, drill to win, you know, I really like the idea, you know, to drill it and try to to make the techniques better, try to understand. Uh, it's, it's everything about the coordination, right? Mm. As much you drill, better, you know, that's become more, more like a smoothie. A smoothie, that's right? Smooth. It's smooth, yes. <laughs> it becomes better smooth and you can get more confident in the position, you know. That's what I think. So, so if you're, let's say you're working with Professor Paul, we're, we're working through sparring, getting to a position. If you find you catch a sweep or a submission that, that works, but it wasn't intentional, will you then go away and drill that? Yes, Just that's a very sure good question. in different scenarios as well? Yes, that's a big point. That, uh, that happens a lot, mm. but what you're saying that um some people carlos grace master carlos grace he always uh say that some guys gonna be a good professors because they're gonna realize those little things what, what i just said opa i did that that's good one second there is something here let me try and break this down to my students or to my friends naturally some people have this but also we can study that that's why you have our curriculum, you have the ICP, you have all these things in the Grace Barra. But uh, answering your question, yes, that happens all the time. I do something, I say, Opa, that was really good. I don't know what, how, what I did here. Let me go through here again. I remember, sometimes I have to really push myself to remember what I just did. Or sometimes I'm trained for white belts mm -hmm. and the guy react in some way, I was like, that was, that was really good. Then the guy said, what? I said, just let's go here again. And of course, they don't really know what happened there. Then I say, no, no, you push me here, push me there. Let's try break this down, you know? And that's how you improve. That's how we go to the next step. And you progress through mm. with. Yeah, exactly. And then I, I start to apply it, you know? I, that's pretty much a lot, of, a lot of my positions I fix in the training I create a lot of things in that way mm. so going back I, there was what I can't remember his name the Australian guy you went on for ages saying that drilling was not a waste of time but he didn't like to drill Kitdale Kit yeah. mm. saying that he didn't like to drill and work now I can see I can see why I can see 
his points behind it. But I think a lot of people that there was a lot of guys training here at the time that were listening to him, thinking, "Oh, you know, we're going to waste our time drilling. Why not? Why not just spar?" Hmm. I think once you get to a certain level where you've got a base foundation of techniques, sparring can be more beneficial. But at what point would you focus less on drilling? So if you were, obviously a white belt would need to come in and learn to understand each of these positions. If you just set them off sparring, it'll just, you're pulling a need in the head quite hmm. a lot, to be honest. But at what point do we say, okay, now you understand this drilling, then sparring becomes the most important thing for you. Well, let's put it in, in this way. Let's forget the jiu and think about dancing, mm -hmm. right? So if you think about it, I, I'm going to dance with someone, like a beautiful girl, and I'm going gonna, gonna to have the opportunity, I'm not going to dance with her on the weekends, mm. and I have the whole week to train. So I know I'm going to give my best to don't step her toes. So what I will do, I'm going to get my sister, I'm going to get some friend, I'm going to try to dance to get sharp for that moment. Mm. And then once I get it there, I'm going to try to perform as my best, right? Exactly the same way how I look uh, into Jiu-Jitsu. When I drill something, I'm teaching my body how to move for that position, to make that looks as much uh, uh, clean as possible. So uh, I think the the white belts, the blue belts, not let's the beginners first of all they need to learn how to to move, mm. right? But for example, when I learn new position. Uh, I escape of something. If it's a very easy position, just like a mindset behind or block one hand here, block one hand there, I will not need that much of time to put it into that position. But for some position like quite uh, hard to get in there, I'm gonna put more time on that position. But I have friends, they, they don't drill at all. Roger Grace, he, he don't drill. Mm. You know, he goes like specific, we talk a lot about positions. Okay, what do you think about this? How we got it here? Then we have the mindset behind. We stood, they stood behind the position. And we try to, to use the leverage and the techniques to stop that. And once you understand it, okay, let me try here. Okay, that works. Okay, let's do it. Mm. You know, but to get in that level, we need a couple of years, you yeah. know. Otherwise, it's quite frustrating, you know. I can see like, even my purple belts, the guys train, okay, escape like that. They can't. But for example, when my high belts fight, and usually the blue, purple, the guys fight, they never did the position. They just fight in the competition. Say, come on, move your leg like right that. They say, I really, boom. They, they get it. Mm. You understand? So for example, the guy put it like um, the warm guard, and they say, okay, listen, stick your leg out. Then the guy, he managed to do it. But some guys can't. Mm. That also depends for each individual. Some guys are gonna have a better coordination. They're gonna understand. It's gonna move better. Some doesn't. So they need to put more time on that. So I believe answering your question, I think that depends of each individual, mm. right, Professor Paul? What do you think about it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what do you think, Professor? Tell me your thoughts. No, I agree. I think it's. It's true. It's, um, yeah, that's the way it is. Yeah, <laughs> the way it is. Yes. Uh, for example, there is a lot of uh, positions when I feel, and also sometimes we're gonna keep and make the same mistake over and over and over again. And someone fix, someone give us tips, but it's still it's still so hard to put this into our hard drive. It's still so hard to. You can understand, but to start to use that is a completely different story. Mm. And then you get frustrated, and guess what? You say, you know what? That's not for me. I don't like half guard. I don't like lasso guard. I don't like uh, Kimura. I don't like side control. You start to take all these for your life, and then you start to have a lot of holes in your game. I think it should be completely the other way around. Okay, if I have a problem with side control, I'm going to start in the side control every time. And they're gonna try to get in a better position, mm. and then, uh, especially the positions you struggle, like back. Usually, people have a lot of problem. 
back, side control and mount. So that should be a warm up. You know, we should get someone who give you a lot of trouble and put it there and trying different things and try to understand the concept. And guess what? You have so much information out there. You could just type your problem on YouTube mm. and then you come up with ideas and you try, go to the gym, get it early, get your friend and you could study that. And later on, you could even share this with your professor and ask him, professor, what do you think about that? But that pointless if your foundation is not there, mm. you know? It's going to be quite annoying, actually, if you don't even know how to tie your belt and you keep asking a professor hundreds of positions and that don't even know how to shrimp, you know? So to get in that level, we need a little bit of patience. Same in our school, the Grace Bar, the students cannot spar before three stripes. Mm. That's the way how you protect them to build up enough knowledge so they will know how to move, they will know how to protect themselves, they know how to put the puzzle together, and then they can start to think about sparring. Mm. Otherwise, it's a waste of time. Do you still believe in the traditional idea of the positional hierarchy, then? You're always trying to fight to move to the best position. Or as it's evolving, like you see lately in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it's changing, there's a lot of the games around the feet and attacking the legs, and which sort of goes against all that fighting your way to pass the guard, to move into side, to get into mount, and take the back. What are your thoughts on, on that and the, the current the way it's evolving at the minute? Well, I think, uh, like Professor Legato says, I think it's really important that you have a good, strong foundation. And if you just concentrate... What it is, all these people who are attacking the legs now, it's, it's great. But if that's all you've got, and you can't progress from there then you've got a big hole in your game. So what's your game based around? Just a foot. So and if people start just concentrating on the foot, then you start forgetting about passing. You know, you, you've got to have a total game. All these people that are famous now for foot locks, it's just, they're just concentrating. They're all good black belts anyway. It's just that they chose to concentrate on the foot locks. And within an, another year or so, everybody's going to be doing these foot locks. Yes. And then, you know, they'll be catching up. Yes. And then if you, but if they've neglected the, the guard passing, mm -hmm. then they're gonna they're gonna fall behind. Yes. I think oh, Professor just pointed a very in, he just started a very important point. Um, there is a lot of people talking about foot locks, heel hooks, reverse heel hooks, and all that. And I I would say, I disagree a little bit with BJJF in their high-level competition, professional-wise. I think the brown belt and the black belt, they should suppose, they sh the rules should be different. I agree 100%, white belts should not jump guard, black belts, of course, blue belts can jump guard or this, but I think the rules should not protect the athlete, the athlete that much. Mm. For example, if I'm a brown belt and a black belt, I should know the time to tap. And that's a lot of, of course, ah, a lot of, it's a lot of injuries. Yes, it's true, but we are professionals. You know there is risk there and we should prevent, we should train to protect against that thing. So what's happening at the moment is a lot of athletes, they start to use that gap in the athletes to against them. So, for example, IBJJF, if you put a 50-50, you cannot heel hook someone 50-50. But a lot of guys who play 50-50 now, they start to defend the foot and to have the setup to defend themselves. I talk about, I'm not saying like, I talk even myself. Because the rules, I put myself in position because I know the guy cannot attack my foot. Mm. But to be honest, I, because my upbringing, I feel quite a, I, I, in, deep inside me, that's really making me uncomfortable. Because my, my grandfather, my father, you say, okay, all these grips are beautiful, but what happens to more punching your face? I said, but fat, that's not the point. No, that's the point. You're on the floor, you need to protect yourself, someone punch in your face. So 
with if you think about a sport, jiu-jitsu is one thing. If you think about jiu-jitsu to protect your life, it's something completely different. And if you think about jiu-jitsu, IBJJF rules, uh, jiu-jitsu ADCC rules, something completely different. And then, I, in my opinion, I think the brown belts and uh, black belts in the adult division, they should be a different... Uh, if you're a professional athlete, as a lot of competition now going this way, we should have not protect the the rule should be completely different heel hooks allowed cross the leg over is allowed you know even slam the guy on the floor i i think should be allowed because you know that's gonna teach us that's gonna protect us that we're gonna we're gonna we need to get better mm. what that means i'm i have someone on my full guard and someone cannot slam of course all i got to you compete and someone slam you you're gonna complain with the referee of course of course I will, because that's the rules. That's what the rules say. Mm. You know, I, I'm competing, you know, my athlete in some hotel. Ah, but what happens if some athlete, some old... So that's different. If I have some girl competing, she's like blue belt or some guy who's not professional athlete, I understand and I agree 100% for BJJF to protect the athletes until getting such a level. But once the guy become professional... Leave if the ah, but how about if the guy is a master division? You know, he have a family, so it, that's not a professional. Mm -hmm. He's not professional. You know, he is going competes. You know, to push himself to become a better version of himself. He's competing to keep him fit. You know this. Then I agree hundred percent. No heel hooks. No slams. No, you know, like uh, even like wrist locks, but. If you are a professional, I, I think you should allow those things. Mm. What do you think, Professor Paul? Absolutely. Because in the rules of, uh, in the IBJJF, we're not allowed to put uh, sideways pressure on the knees, mm -hmm. but I'm allowed to put direct pressure on to break them, to make you tap. Exactly. So, so it's like, it's crazy. Yeah, so the people <laughs> using the rules against the rules, right? Yeah. They use, they, they're going around. So, and then you see like, just a second. So you cannot put the leg over, but the guy go close each other in the 50-50 and foot lock the guy. And if the guy roll outside, would be two points. Okay. And then you see guys now, because they know the rules, if they roll outside is two points, what they do, they engage the foot, let the guy foot lock it, and drag the other one to the middle. Mm. So if you manage to do all this, you know, you can practice to protect yourself. You know, mm. then of course the job of IBJJF is the uh, the the mission of the IBJJF is really big, and they're doing an amazing job. You know, we have so many competitions around the world. Once again, the Carlos Gracie Jr. He create all this. That's why we are here now talking about and trying to fix here, fix there things here and there but he was the guy who come up for the IBJJF and now have a competition all over the world so it's something I'm not pointing IBJJF but I just think we we always is by the way it's always so easy to just point right <laughs> but that's what I'm doing now we should do this better should do that better but I think that would make us as athletes become a better I think so, you know. Awesome. We'll go on. We we tend to every time we record, we tend to ask our varying different belts if they want to ask a question. So the question we've got today from the white belts, if I can read it, I should have brought my glasses. <laughs> uh, do you have any specific methods for dealing with training partner for uh, for dealing with a training partner that is aggressive to the point where you worry about injury? Yeah. <laughs> Avoid them. <laughs> we have specific people we can put with them. <laughs> gym enforcers. No, you you can't have a gym enforcer, but I always find what that expression is. A gym enforcer, like okay. a Bruno. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <Victor>. <laughs> Send Bruno to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Or uh, what I tend to do is uh, I speak to them. Mm. I go to them and I say, listen, look, you're, you're 
20, 30 kilos heavier than this woman. You know, you, to, to get good, you need to be able to train with her. Mm. You need to be able to control yourself, not put your pressure on her, move and see if you can beat her or if she's more skillful than you. Mm. You know, you've got to try. You've got to try not to use your power. I usually talk to them about it. And then if they don't listen, I tell them again. And then if they still don't listen, then they get... Bruno. Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> one thing that we do all the time, uh, first of all, to the guy getting the level to spar, he will need to be at three stripes. But I can see even um, in the specific training, uh, there is a, a lot of challenge there. Because the guy, big guy, he doesn't know how to use his strength, and he's not. He don't. He don't want to be mean. He don't want to be a, the bad boy, and injure people. He just doesn't know. It's like a wild bull in the middle of the field. He just wanna go rah, you know. That's the danger. So our job as a professor, and as a coach, is to identify those individuals, and choose the right partners. And before I put the two strong guys against each other and break the whole gym, you need, we, need, we need to break down. Okay, guys, let's concentrate here. Because the biggest thing is we start to learn about life and about Jiu-Jitsu once we take one thing very important away from us. It's called ego. When you leave our ego underneath the bed and we have everything is going to be way, way easier. And sometimes that's very hard especially for the boys, full of testosterone that want to prove for themselves they are, they are able to do things. But somehow, if you identify that, we're going to know this. As soon as the guy tied the belt, as soon as he look at us, we, from our experience on the mat, we know that. And the challenge is to make that guy understand he's okay. Mm. He's okay to be in the position of learning. It's okay to don't use strength. I have one boy. Uh, he's a fireman. Very strong boy. Pedro is Brazilian. And he, I never saw this in my life. He managed to get Avatar. Avatar, one of my students. Brown belt, 100 kilos. He threw in his white belt, Pedro, the fireman. He threw Avatar from side of control. He got Avatar like he was like just uh, 10 kilos and throw. Pow! Three meters ahead. I never saw that in my life. He got avatar like a block. Bafa. Then I come to him, Pedro, listen. Beautiful. You're very explosive. You're super strong. But that would not work if someone was applying the strength against you as well. So I can I can see you can do that. Well done. But now let's forget your strength. I want to see if you can escape from the side control without use the amount of power. Mm -hmm. So what I will do now, I'm gonna get one of the girls and I'm gonna put on top. I want to see if we're gonna be able to escape. So he's gonna start to, you have to educate them. And then if he's still using that power, he's about to sit again, sit down again. And then some guys, like like a child, you know? I look at the, 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 my students exactly as a child. If they're doing bad, you know, Gonna tell them once. If they're doing bad again, gonna tell second. Don't put a finger in the plug. You're gonna let the shot. Don't put a finger in the plug. You're gonna let the shot. Don't put a finger in the plug. That third time is like his hand. Do you know what I mean? If the guy keep on doing this and I tell him over and over and over and over again, he's still doing the thing, so he don't wanna learn. So I need to invite the guys, all my students know. When I invite them to have a coffee, something is wrong happen. You know, I say let's have a coffee together. So I said, listen, man, I'm going to talk to you for a couple of lessons. You're not really listening to me. What's happening? I want to help you. We don't want to learn. You know? And I think when you have a serious conversation for the students, and he understand, say, you don't need to prove anything here. You know, this, I think just about the guidance. But what you don't want, we don't want to fight against fire with fire. Mm. You know? I, oh, every time I think about it, when I see those challenges, I, I ask myself, I close my eyes and I think how I could fight against that situation with love. Because every time when you put love into the situation, that's the challenge. That's way harder. Mm. If you get upset, if you put anger, you know, 
we're using our old memories, our old uh, trash mm. memories. So we don't want, ah, but when I was a white belt, that's what people used to do with us. When I was a child, my mother used to beat me up. I don't want to do this w with my kids, mm. you know? So we need to always progress. I went quite deep that, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quite a deep message there. Uh, we've done, done that one. Was it, that was the question about stringing techniques together. There we go. Done that one. Um, this is actually one that you, you've both got experience in, um, from, from my knowledge. Training with constant specific injuries. Anything that's, that's outside of jiu-jitsu <laughs> that's going to stop you training. How do you manage that? and train with an injury that's not just going to heal if you rest it. Professor Paul doesn't have any injury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It's difficult. You, but there's always a way. Mm. Uh, it's like anything. If you go to the doctor, he will tell you to take time off, take these tablets for six weeks and rest. Mask the problem. That's it. But you know, I, I don't find that. Even when I, uh, I had an operation for a hernia, and the day after I was back on the mat. Mm. I wasn't moving too much, but I was back on the mat and doing what I could. So I, th I think uh, you, you can just train, just train. Just come, around just, just come in, it. sit around. Even if, even if you're on crutches, you can still come and sit mm. and watch and listen because you learn so much. Some of my biggest lessons have been listening to Professor, mm. just watching him. You know, so I watch. I always watch him whenever I go back to the academy, and he's doing training. Uh, uh, if I've been injured a lot these past couple of years, when I sit and I watch him, and then I wait till everybody finishes, and I go and speak to him. I'll say, you know, when you did this particular sweep, you put your hand here, and you grab the pants here. Uh, that's not how you taught me. Mm. I say, why do you do that now? And he'll say, well, you know, because during my time training and fighting, competing. Uh, the top 2% of the guys, if I do it this way now, they can't stop me. Mm. So he's forever evolving. And then even just by watching, I can still learn, you know, even if I'm not on the mat training. Do you find that if you've sat out injured, having your time out and you've watched, do you find that you can still, now you've started training a little bit more again, are you then going straight back in? Is that knowledge sitting with you the same? Yeah, I don't think you lose anything. What it is, I relate it to this. If you're a, a joiner mm. and you're hanging doors all day, every day, what you do, you get your chisels and you sharpen your chisels. First time, you sharpen them and you use the chiseling. And every time you're going to work on a door, you sharpen your chisel and carry on working. And you have a nice, clean, precise cut. But when you go on a job where you're not hanging doors, you put your chisels away. Mm. Okay, And if you leave them and you don't use them, for maybe a month, and you come back, they're dull. They, they go dull by themselves, mm. so they're not sharp. Uh, but every time you resharpen your chisel, it takes less time. Mm. And that's how I feel with in my... My technique's still there, but when I start to train again, I might oh, I just miss that. Just my timing's just mm. off. But once I start to train again, the timing comes back pretty quick. That's exactly what I found. I mm. had some time off last year, and it was just the timing that yeah. went. You know, you think, oh, I just missed it. Knowledge yeah. is still there, <laughs> yeah. just not quite there on the timing. Yeah. I know we're still in my cardio. My cardio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good for, you know, two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just efficiency, isn't it? Yeah. It's just nice and efficient. <laughs> good. Have you got anything to add? You sat there quite quietly today. Well, should we... Yeah, go on to this. Should we do this round? So basically what we have here, we have many attributes that are laminated and um, what, what we'll ask you to do, and this will be quite interesting actually because you could, you could do it together and you could discuss between yourselves which one should be ranked highest, so it's highest to lowest basically, and then work through them. And then if you could speak about each individual attribute and then why that's in the position you put it. Mm. I think the body type is uh, that, that I, think, I think that would have to be the first in my thing because that affects everything. It affects your speed, 
Mm -hmm. you take, it's everything. So it depend on your body type. Would depend on what you'd have to train. Yeah. So, you know, you might be, I don't know, 120 kilos. So stamina is not going to be your strong point, is it? You know, you're, mm -hmm. you're going to gas pretty quick. Mm -hmm. So, but if you're like a 67 kilos, 68 kilos, you know. You got more so I, I think body type dictates everything else. And then second, what do you think, Professor? Let's, I have a one in my mind. Let's see if we go together. Let me think. Oh, uh, actually. Yeah. So you put body type up at the top? Yeah, because that, that arranges everything, I yes. think. Yes. I've just messed them all up. There you go. And then if I was creating, trying to create a perfect fighter, I would say from the beginning, I would say. So that was the deal. Create a perfect fight. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I would then. I'd give him two arms if I was going to create a perfect <laughs> fight. Yeah, I'd definitely do that. <laughs> I think three really important ones for me there. Uh, them three stand out really straight away strength agility and balance would they be ranked all in the same level yeah i think it, i think if you had uh if you're strong with good balance and agile even if you don't know jiu-jitsu you you're on a winner okay professor but what happened if you don't have these two guys here and you have all these things. Yeah. Yeah. So you've just put above the strength, agility, and balance. I can't see. Mindset mental. and mental speed. I saw many times in my life the guys, I will not mention names, otherwise gonna, the guy's gonna be upset at me, but in my career, I saw guys have a, they was not very strong and yeah, they was not really good athletes, but they have a very strong mindset and very strong mental. You know, he believed hundred percent he could do something, and all those things, people really believe they was strong. They have a good agility and have good balance, mm. right, professor? Mm. So if you think about it, like, really close your eyes and think about some guys that you can see that. I think like if you have a, a grief professor for hundred percent, the body type is very important. But I believe if you have a strong mindset and you have a, a strong uh, mental, mm -hmm. that but that's a mental speed or that's different stuff. I think we put mental speed in, like you said, with your timing, your yeah. ability to execute something. Okay. Yeah. And, and plan ahead. Okay. Think in the moment, okay. Yeah. So mindset then. Yeah, so I think you, I would add, add them speed and stamina on the same line as strength. Mm -hmm. I think all them, them four. All those physical attributes really, that you can control. Yeah. Because, like I said, you can have some, some people are good at whatever they do, mm. whatever sport they go to. You know? Yeah, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> because if they've got strength, speed, agility, stamina and balance, you know, are you talking about a tennis player there? Could be, couldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Are you talking yeah. about a boxer? Mm. You know, are you talking about a, a hockey player? You know, any, it applies to any yeah. any sport, I think. There. And then, and what do you think, Professor? I think here, the technique, um, for example, my body type, like long, tall, if a strong mindset and a sharp technique, maybe, especially my division, usually the guys are stronger than me, but they can compensate with my technique. Mm. Sometimes I'm stronger than the guys, but they are short and they're faster, you know? Yeah, so I think I would put a, a, the technique, um, the technique underneath the, the mindset. So in between the physical yes. attributes. And then the, that's would, uh, that would be Brigitte right there. Mm. Right? Then if I have a, doesn't matter which body type I have, I have to choose some type of game, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. Like 
have long legs and all this maybe and you know that's also sometimes you see guys have a short leg and say oh he's not gonna be a good uh spider guard and the guy go there have a ridiculous spider guard jiu-jitsu is amazing right yeah. and then we go and but i believe 100 that i saw many times i had the students that i thought man the guy give me such a hard time the guy is so strong the guy beautiful agility not very good stamina but good balance good strength beautiful speed but his mind is a mind of a loser and then the guy every time he look himself in the mirror he's already losing you know he loses for himself before he go anywhere not just jiu-jitsu life mm. you know so if you have a the mindset of a loser doesn't matter what you do so before all this your mind need to be in place and how to do that yeah that's the question right yeah and i think that has a huge influence in in our beliefs and that's go deep go very deep because what you think eventually we're gonna speak about it and our hearts gonna believe on that and you become it mm. so but how how gonna come how, how these thoughts will come our environment the environment we're into it you know like my i grew up and my father he used to tell me uh you cannot do it you can you cannot be better than somebody else and i always thought the opposite i said no no i will be better than somebody i i can do it i will do it then imagine how strong is that if your father telling you can't you i should just accept that mm. and that could be my how i should carry on my life and that will have a huge consequence the type of human being i am today mm. you know so, so do you think professor you're born born with that mindset of a of a a champion or, or do you think you, you can develop it over time that's a very good question professor like one you know the first time someone asked me that and that's all the time making me think really deep and then what uh i i believe like i all the time i say that i'm not the the most talent i'm not the strongest i'm not the intelligence but i'm a very hard work so if you give me something if i have if i we're gonna learn the same technique or gonna have a contact with the same knowledge at the same day give me six months and let's see who did the best for that information mm. that's that's me you know if i don't know how to do something if i don't know how to run a business and i really, really need to learn how to run a business i will be the best i'm gonna try it are gonna be the best of myself i don't care i'm not comparing myself with someone but they're gonna try to be the best of myself so a lot of people ask me then to illustrate that i heard one time that's a very interesting thing the guy said man one second uh how is that possible why why did you become it was two brothers and one guy he come to the guys to form off the, the brother and ask uh why did you become a drug addict? How's that come? Now we live in the streets, you're homeless, you're drug addict. Then he put all the blame, he blamed everything on his parents. That was because my father was fighting for my mother all the time, because my father was alcoholic, my mother was in depression all the time. Then the guy said, okay, that makes sense. And then he asked his brother, how did you become a, such a successful human being? because my father was alcoholic because my mother was in depression because so where you look at it you look the challenges in life as an excuse to fail or do you look the challenge in life to boost yourself to become the best version of yourself you know or just be there oh poor me you know the world the the government the my body my this my that you know and you always can blame someone mm. so i i believe 100 percent answer the question professor paul we always have the option you know if you want to just sit down there and um act as a loser 
or if you want to act as a champion. Mm. You know, it's up to you. If you want to be the hammer, if you want to be the nail, right? It's in your hands. <laughs> you, you like going deep, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Their life's deep. <laughs> so, last two things that you've left on there are flexibility and what's that one? I don't even know the one. What's that? Dexterity. What's that? Uh, it means basically you can do the same with your left hand as you can do with your right hand. Oh, okay. So you that's amazing. Uh, flexibility is very important to prevent injuries. Mm. You know, like, and I think that's, I would put it uh, together with uh, in the same line here, Professor Paul put it, they have strength, speed, yeah. agility, stamina, and balance. I would put a flexibility in front of the strength. Mm-hmm. Because the flexibility and the, the coordination or whatever, that's the stronger man is not, uh, for example, one, especially for a fighter, one time, uh, GSP, he told me that. I never forgot it. He said, for a fight, it doesn't matter how many kilos he can pick up. You know? The type of strength for a fight is would be like... And also, if you get like a paper and just throw there and the paper just gonna... It's too light. That type of speed, the strength is not really good for the fight. But if you get like one... Like 100 kilos and try to throw over there... Also, that's not interest for the fight. The fight have they need that type of strength, that like a tennis ball. Throwing the wall, come back, throwing the wall, come back. You need to carry on. You need to keep going. You need to, you know. So the flexibility gonna help us to prevent injuries. The strength we need, we need the strength, but not crazy amount of strength like for jiu-jitsu. You know, like you see a lot of guys so strong. But then the guy don't put the energy on the techniques, you know, and then he don't put energy on his mindset. Let's put it this way. We need to work our three body, bodies, right? Our mind, our soul, and our body. Mm. If one of these three is not in line, we're going to suffer somehow. So getting there super prepared the competition you know all this but you train so much your physical your body is so strong you're flexible you're fast you eat really good but your soul you didn't work mm. at all you didn't give it time for yourself you didn't go to the park and appreciate the beautiful things you have every day around you you didn't kiss your mom you didn't kiss your wife the people who loves you around you're just about you 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 all the time and that's gonna have somehow we're gonna have a consequence mm. and you need this three things to perform well we need to be happy you need to be completed and that's gonna happen once you put it with the, once you don't let it these three bodies when you don't forget one for these three bodies mm. That's my point of view. What do you think, Professor Pope? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's, he's, he's making time for everything. Yeah. I think, I mean, rest is a big thing as well in jiu-jitsu. Mm. You know, a lot of people say, oh, no, I train every day, I do all this. But you can overtrain. You know, you, you, need, you, you need to rest. Definitely. Yeah, see, I might be on the mat every day, but I'm not going to spar every day. No, no. I physically couldn't handle that. No. We have the last one competition experience on the bottom, I yeah. think. Because without all the other things, you won't get the competition experience. <laughs> you won't get the competition experience. Yeah, I think a lot of people ask, "Oh, like I you compete so much in all these, and how is that? You you still get nervous? The day I I don't feel the the butterflies on my stomach, I I lose the meaning, mm. you know, to compete like." I like to compete when I when I when I feel scared, mm. you know. When I feel like, you know, when that's making me 
breathe heavy, you know? All of us, we need... The, the person who said they're not scared to compete, there is something wrong with them. They're disconnected. You must be. Mm. Fight is the last instance before death. You fight for your life, mm. right? If you take this, the fight from the human being, why you fight? Really think about it, deeply about it. If you take all the, if you go to the cave times, and you you're gonna fight for what? To protect your life. Some huge animal attack you, or you fight or you die. If some another caveman come to try to take your kids or your wife away, you're gonna fight for to protect it, right? So same nowadays. But you have this deep inside us. That's my lagarto way to look things. I think we're always gonna confront it. That's deep in our DNA. Fight is always gonna trigger something really deep inside our soul. Mm. But prepare ourselves to get comfortable in that environment. That's what gonna make us a different type of human being. Because when you face any challenge in life, you're going to say, really? That's all? No problem. Give me here. I can sort this out. You know? That's why when you know how to apply the fighter, when you know how to apply the competition into our life, that's what makes us so special. And you think about it. That's what... Uh, if you think about when I was a teenager, I used to think... Because the guys used to come, oh, big lips, you know, all this, like MKB, make kilo de base, like one kilo of lips, you know. And the guys used to give me a lot of nicknames about that. And that used to go so deep on me, you know. Oh, look at you, it's so ugly, you know, all that. And that was to go deep. And that was teenager, the guys tease me all the time, you know, all that. And then, and that time was a big thing because... The girls was look at me as how the guys was watching that, you know, and today, uh, and then after, my, and my father used to say, "Son, don't worry about this. One day you're gonna smash." <laughs> and then today I'm so lucky. I have a, such a beautiful uh, fiance, you know, so talented and so beautiful, gorgeous. And I'm telling you. She doesn't care have my potato nose and my big lips because a woman, a real woman, she's caring about what the people, what the world is in the lack of. Love, friendship, attention, you know, all those things that the world is missing. The world's taking so much, bringing the people who is far away closer and the people who's closer, far away. So I'm here with you, and at the same time, on a WhatsApp with someone back in Brazil or Australia, or whatever. Instead, I enjoy here this moment. So, why I went so deep on that is when you know who you are, when you know where you, uh, to believe on yourself, and you know you're doing the right thing. When you have a strong roots, you can do whatever you want, you know? And if you go deep, if you think about the fight again, it's with everyone going to be nervous. So if the guy say, I'm not nervous, they're lying, you know? They, they will be nervous or something is wrong, something disconnected for that human being. He should, need, he should find help. <laughs> That's how I look. Cracking, I think. <laughs> we'll go one last question to finish on. Let's say it's on there. No, it's not. I don't know. Can't find it. Anyway, <laughs> we'll just finish on. What is the most profound lesson you've learned through Jiu Jitsu? By Professor. By Professor Paul. That ne was. Never give up. <laughs> never give up. That's what Jiu Jitsu taught me. Because many times. I could have easily given up. Because mm. so I started Jiu-Jitsu when I was quite old. Legato was a young 23, 24-year-old 
just smashing me every day. <laughs> you, what you said downstairs was quite funny. You couldn't afford to go to Brazil, so you bought your own Brazilian. Bought your own beer instead. There used, to, there used to be two of them. They used to kill me. Yeah. Used to, uh, Professor and Gabrielle. Yeah. yeah. I used to go. I used to work on night shift. I used to finish about three or four o'clock in the morning, drive back from Manchester, try and shut my eyes. Oh my God! I remember that. Drive, drive down to Preston to pick these two up at nine o'clock. Yes. And drive back to the academy. I mean, I used to, used to used to chuck them out of the car when we got to the country roads, and they would run in front of the car. And every time I blew my horn, you had to sprint. <laughs> yeah. And we used to chase them all the way, like two or three miles to, to yeah. the academy. And then when we got to the academy, they used to uh, make me do all sorts, you know, flipping tires and yeah, yeah. And then they used to take in turns, climb the rope, <laughs> take in turns to just smash me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do a ten minute round between each other. Yeah. And then the rest was five minutes with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was that was fun. And that was fun because Gabriel, he's so competitive, you know. And then. It, in that time, he didn't speak any English, you know? And then I, I was... It's so funny to tease Gabriel. I love him, you know? And they was like, come on, man. I just beat you badly at this round. Now they start to have a huge argument, you know? And Professor Paul just in the middle, like, wow. You know, he, he, they will fight for real now. They will fight for real. And Professor Paul was just like this. They eventually just start to laugh. Professor Paul was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on here? You know? Okay, Professor, let's go. We spied. They said, oh, man, that guy's going to break me here. You know? <laughs> Yeah. For and, a long time. And there are many times, like I say, that you get injured. Uh, there's many times when I could have given up, mm. but I didn't. And there was many times I used to finish work and I was shattered. And I'd get home and I'd sit down <laughs> and I'd look at the clock and I'd go, I'm not going tonight. I'm done. Yeah. And then I keep looking at the clock and it gets to about 5 2. And I used to think, still on, and Peter Pan will be going. You know, they're going to learn something I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going. And I'd go anyway, you know. I think that, that's quite a funny one. Knowing other people are going to learn something you're not. Yeah. Yeah, that'll keep you going. So that's, that's what kept me going a lot. And obviously, Professor ringing me. Where are you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that helps a lot. Yeah, this technology really doesn't help you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Away, does it? You can't hide. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, what's the question? Uh, Most profound lesson you've learned in Jiu-Jitsu? Uh, so many, <laughs> yes, yeah. I like a professor was don't don't give up, yeah, but uh, also uh, early and avoid your injuries. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very important. <laughs> yeah, I would say uh, well, it's very hard for me because people ask me a lot. I got how would be your life without jujitsu? I don't know because I never try it. No. You know, so it's very hard for me to think about the lesson of Jiu-Jitsu because my life is Jiu-Jitsu, mm. you know? So everything I am is because of Jiu-Jitsu. All my mindset is because of Jiu-Jitsu, you know? So I would say Jiu-Jitsu gave me a very strong mindset, the way how I grew up, mm. the way how Carlos Gracie Jr. he taught me things. Carlos Gracie taught me way more than Jiu-Jitsu. He taught me a philosophy of life. Mm. And that's how I care my life, you know? And how I eat, I, all this, you know? So it's just uh, who I am. So just uh, my everything, the way how I breathe, the way how I sleep, everything is Jiu Jitsu. So it's my lifestyle. So that's it. That's, that's the, it. My, my, my life answered that, that question. You know? Without the jiu-jitsu, there'd be no legato. You know, not be legato, gonna disappear like the... Uh, smoke. Take jiu-jitsu, disappear. Cracking. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's been really insightful. Very deep. Very deep, <laughs> right? Just sit, yeah. sit and process all the uh, deep, deep thoughts. Uh, that was brilliant, guys. Thank, Thank you very much. We're, we're, still, we're still there, yeah? I think we're still recording. Yes. Yeah. The, the reason, you know, sometimes people take uh, the things like, wow, man, I got to go so deep in everything. I'm the, the, I always like to take opportunities when you're in a podcast or when I'm on YouTube or when I'm teaching a seminar or private mm. to try to help somehow the human being, to mm. try to help someone. Because if we're in this world, 
and do not add in people's life, waste our time. Mm -hmm. And I know exactly in this moment, someone has listened to us and uh, on the tube or whatever. I just said this in the other podcast and they complete hopeless about life, especially, you know, in, in our days that uh, people doesn't believe in anything doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe anything. That's make our life harder. Mm. And, but I like to thought on the point that we, you, everyone who listen here at this moment, you are important in the world. And if you didn't spend time with the people who you love, don't forget it, to get home and to call your mother, to call your father, to give a hug on your, on your kids and tell them, how much you love them because maybe they are just waiting for the moment to give this back mm. you know and the life is very beautiful the struggle passing today tomorrow we're gonna laugh about it so don't give up keep it on train some jiu-jitsu that's gonna really help that's really gonna make our life way easier jiu-jitsu there is amazing dynamic that happened there i'm not telling you because my black belt in jiu-jitsu if you listen to this podcast and you're not doing jiu-jitsu, you're wasting time. You should do it. As soon as someone trying to choke you and trying to break your arm and have to defend yourself, I'm guarantee you're going to forget any challenge you pass in life right now. And the, the energy the family going to create is way different than you train Muay Thai, than you train boxing, then you go to the gym. You know, we're going to waste a lot of weights. You're going to be fit in a very health and family environment. Just trying to choose the right place. That's my message. And guys, uh, as you know, I have my two academies in London, Grace Barra Fulham and Grace Barra West Kensington. And I have my, my Instagram, Lagarto BJJ. <laughs> so if you guys want to send my message there, I always answer. Okay. It's going to be a pleasure to help you out somehow. Us. Us. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you very Thank much. You. Yeah.